What if you could build a business in the modern world as big or as small as you want without having to compromise the things that were the most important to you in the very beginning? This is the Wealthy Consultant Talks podcast with Taylor Welch and Mike Walker, as they share with you today their learning lessons from stories in their experiences over the past 10 to 15 years and share with you right here, right now. Let's get into it. What is going on, my friends? Mike Walker here with you and another episode of TWC Talks, the Wealthy Consultant Podcast. Excited to have you here with me today. Uh, today's topic is near and dear to my heart in the sense that I just came back from a fantastic uh, quarterly event that we did for our team. We call it a quarterly offsite. It's something that we naturally do every 90 days as an organization, specifically the executive team. We get together and we map out, you know, what, what did the last 90 days produce? What did we like? What did we not like? Uh, what were those benchmarks that we had set that we hit, the ones we missed? Attribution, you know, why, why did we miss those? Why did we hit them? And then most importantly, where do we want to go from here, right? Where, where do we want the next 90 day sprint to look like in accordance to our annual objectives? Uh, I would say most people listening here are pretty familiar with those concepts. Uh, but what I want to share with you is a topic that we um, are diving deep into. We're in fact, I'll go as far as to say we're pretty geeking out over here at the Wealthy Consultant when it comes to this topic. And that is neurodiversity, uh, specifically when it pertains to team performance and the uh, strategic alignment and organization of our team members and how everybody's skills and personal traits are in alignment, not just for today's needs, but for uh, the future growth of the organization, where we wanna take things. We're really focused on aligning the, the executive team in particular right now, and then of course, everybody else on the team um, in those roles that are where they're gonna thrive. You know, we, we did some really great things. I'm going to share with you just a couple of insights that we that, uh, you know, we had from these meetings over the last few days. I just flew home last night. Um, I live in Southern California. The team is based in Nashville. And on the flight home, I was able to just to sit and, and like I normally do, just kind of a stream of consciousness, you know, go through my notes, really start thinking through and distilling down. What did we talk about? What can we take away and what can we implement as an organization to really maximize our time together? and uh, leverage it for future results. And so this topic of neurodiversity really came up because of the fact that we have tremendous team. You know, if, if you haven't already um, purchased a copy of Taylor's book, um, it, it's a phenomenal read. Um, I would highly encourage you to, to pick one up. I'll make sure there's a link here with the, with the podcast if you don't already have it. But inside the book, it talks about, you know, T3 teams and the, the organizational structure of what that looks like. So I'm not going to go deep into the weeds on that today. But what I do want to talk about is, again, the the diversity of the team as it pertains to natural attributes, personal traits, and talents. You know, people, we, we all have individual strengths and gifts that to us seem relatively normal. And yeah, it's just what I do, right? You just get up and that's that's how you operate. And yet to others, it's, it's phenomenal. It's like, wow, how do you do that? How does that seem so easy for you, right? I'm sure you're probably familiar with that feeling. And, and as team leaders, CEOs, business owners, and I don't care if you're a business of one looking to scale and bringing one or two team members, or you already have hundreds or even thousands of team members, the ability to recognize the diversity in your team and then leverage it to high performance is absolutely mission critical because your business, your ability to reach the, the benchmarks that you have, and even the, the ones you haven't even thought of yet, the, the ones that are farther down the road, they're going to be directly correlated to the skill and abilities of your team. Now, here's the really interesting thing. 
especially in the startup environment where you may have, you know, people wearing multiple hats just to kind of fill out the multiple roles. You might not be in a situation where you have a, you know, a specialist, if you will, into every single department that you need. And yet, so you'll find people having to kind of push the, the envelope a little bit, kind of step out into the fringes of their personal abilities in order to meet the needs of the company. And that's very, very normal. But what we're looking to do more and more here at The Wealthy Consultant, and I want to share this with you, is finding out ways to position people to where they can spend more time of their day in those zones of genius. Where can we get to where we're spending a higher percentage of our day in those key areas where we truly thrive, where we are you know, uniquely suited for those roles. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. In fact, if you're not driving, if, if you're listening to me at the gym or you're driving or whatever, obviously, you know, you can do this later if you want, at the very least visualize it. But for those that are, are static, you're sitting at a desk or, you know, you're, you're in an environment where you can grab a piece of paper and a pen. I'll give you a second, grab a piece of paper and a pen or pencil, whichever one, right? But it can't be a keyboard, do, do a, a pencil, a piece of paper. And now what I want you to do is just naturally just write your name just how you would normally write a name. No big deal. I'll give you a second. Shouldn't take long, right? Probably done it once or twice before. Excellent, right? All right, so we're just writing our name. Um, we're gonna write mine, Mike Walker. There you go, pretty simple. Took only a matter of a second or two, right? Excellent. Now what I want you to do is I want you to switch hands. I want, to, I want you to take your pen and your pencil and push it to the opposite hand that you normally write with. And now below your name on that same piece of paper, I want you to write your name again. I'll give you a second. I'll give you maybe two seconds. All right, now just write out your name. Just copy it just like you just did it, but with your opposite hand. Now, could you do it? Yeah, you could, but how much longer did it take? How much more friction was there, figuratively speaking, to get that end result? And was the end result even as good? Now, if you're ambidextrous, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but you would be a very unique case, right? And even then, you're probably going to notice that one hand is probably leaning better than the other towards doing it sufficiently and you know effectively and, and quickly. So my point is this, can we do these other things in our days? Can we fill all these other roles in our company? Can we multitask and, and, and context switch and wear multiple hats? Yeah, you can, but is it the best use of your time, right? And does it get the actual best use of your output? And that's really where we're going as a team here collectively. And what I wanna share with you today is, Yes, we can fill these individual roles and we can kind of, you know, flex and, and bob and weave where needed, but is it the absolute best, most efficient use of that particular team member's time? And that's the really interesting part. And there's lots of different ways. In fact, we're going to be, you know, embracing multiple different uh, personality metrics and, and some science behind how to, you know, get the data behind this. But as a business owner, as somebody that owns and operates their own businesses, or even organizationally, if you're inside a corporate environment, I want to challenge you to build your team based on their natural aptitudes and look for ways, you know, how, Hey team, sit, send them down, send them down as a team and go, Hey, what do you like? What do you not like? Where do you feel like you're, you're new, you're uniquely gifted. And where do you feel like, ah, this is friction in my day. This is, I, I do it, but it's, it's not what I love to do. I really want you to map that out like directly on a keyboard or on a piece of paper, what are you, whatever you're going to do, map it out clearly and distinctly so that each of the other team members can look and go, okay, look, what is the percentage of time being applied to your particular zone of genius versus the, the time that's being applied to miscellaneous tasks or, or projects or, or, you know, whatever that your role uh, requires. 
Look for that percentage and then start discussing how can we actually trim this out? How can we start to move the needle over to where each team member is spending more time in their zone of genius? You're going to hit flow state much quicker. You're going to be far more efficient. The end results are going to be better. If you do this even 5 to 10% per team member, imagine the lift that you're going to have on the organization. Imagine the, the ease that's going to start creeping into hitting those quarterly and annual objectives when people on your team are working more harmonically across the board. Everybody's stick, staying more in their zone of genius. Imagine that lift. And again, especially in startup environments, it doesn't mean you're going to only be able to do the things you love all the time. If you can, well, awesome. High five here. You know, that would be fantastic. But the reality is we're all going to have to do things that maybe we don't always like love or like to do, right? That's just the nature of business and life in general. But I do want to encourage you, think through it. Where can I spend more time in my zone of genius? And if you can do that, what happens is you can start to build your organizational chart based on the, this neurodiversity. The, the team performance is going to be driven from the ability of team members spending more and more time in that unique area of their gifts and personal traits. So it's just a really powerful thing. If you can start to get into that environment where, where you're building the team based on skill sets and strengths, then naturally you're going to see that lift come from the bottom line, organizationally, just culturally, everything's going to start to jive more when people feel more in alignment with their daily task and what they're doing um, on a weekly and monthly basis for the company. So number two, what we talked about is the psychological safety in remote work environments. Now, this is especially key if you're in, in larger environment, you know, larger companies where you're dealing with probably, you know, again, dozens, maybe even hundreds of virtual, um, you know, team members. You really need to understand that there's, there's psychologies that can handle that. And there are people that need that team camaraderie. They need that physical, that more visual face to face type interaction. This is really came up obviously back in uh, the pandemic and everything. I'm sure you, you're very aware of the fact that how some people were totally fine in those environments and especially in the school, you know, how many children were unfortunately um, impacted negatively because of the lack of exposure to those team environments, right? That group environment that school presents. And so my challenge to you is to make sure that you're very aware of how each of your team members interacts in a more solo or siloed environment. If you are in fact working a distributed workforce where you maybe have team members spread out like we do all over the country, all over the world even, um, it's important to understand that that type of environment, while may feel very normal to others, could be very isolating for, for other members on the team. And so you want to be aware of that and you want to make sure that they understand um, how to tap into the needs that they may have psychologically. Um, and also this extends beyond just the, you know, the in, emotional side of things, but it also expands into the performance side. Whereas, you know, when you're not in a group environment and if someone has a tendency to need group consensus or they like to talk things through before taking action, you might be finding friction or people slowing down doing things, not being as efficient because they don't necessarily have that uh, work environment that fosters that team culture or that feeling of group, uh, you know, groupness, if you will. And so just be aware that each of these uh, personality traits and, and tendencies are going to evolve and perform differently in a remote work environment. So you just want to be aware of that. I am a strong believer in the fact that we're going to only see more and more of a diversified or decentralized workforce. I think it's just the way things are going. 
And so we definitely want to be aware of this and build this into the culture codex of our own organization. We want to be aware of the fact that everybody's going to operate slightly differently in these types of environments. I think most people are getting pretty up to speed on the whole Zoom culture thing, but there are a lot of things that can get missed and slip between the cracks. Uh, if you don't have that face-to-face, -face, that that very human touch component going on. And that's why we do these quarterly uh, offsites as an organization as well. We get everybody flying in, all the team leaders come in, we sit down and, you know, without question, that proximity, that there's nothing that can replace true human to human getting in the room together. That energetic uh, feeling cannot be easily created across Zoom. All right. We try to do it on the daily for sure. But when it comes to these quarterly offsites, there's a tangible difference that happens when we all collectively get into the room. Very powerful synergy and energy comes from that. And um, I just encourage you to consider how do we get that for our team if you don't already have so. And then lastly, I want to end on creating um, great culture is not necessarily meaning happy, smiley, shiny rainbows all the time. Okay. When you develop a really strong, healthy culture for your organization, it should actually filter people out. You know, when you have a very clearly defined culture, you're going to find that some people can't thrive in that environment. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because it's going to lift those that can, and it's going to naturally filter out those that can't. And so I just want to make sure that you embrace the concept that once you have a culture that's very clearly articulated and it's very strong, it's very potent in uh, across all departments, you will find that some people are going to be naturally gravitated towards that. They're attracted like, like, you know, uh, a mosquito to a light or, you know, they're, they're going to be drawn into that type of energy. And you're going to find others that are repelled by it. They're like, I, I can't do this. This is not, this isn't me or whatever. And that's great. That's what you want. If, in fact, I would go as far as to say, if you don't have that, if you don't have people leaving because they don't on their own fruition, because they just simply say, I, I don't think I thrive here. Like this doesn't feel like my, my environment. This isn't the pace that I want to keep, or this isn't the type of uh, energy flow that I want to be in on a daily basis, I would go as far as to say that that's a good thing. It means that you're really starting to find your stride and that you're, you're branded your organization, if you will. You've really started to find your true neurodiversity and team performance and team culture. Um, it's all starting to come in alignment because everybody's going to be kind of moving at the same pace in the same direction. And naturally, some people will not be able to either keep that pace or they'll simply not be going in that direction. And that's totally fine for them. Okay. But if you're all just kind of scattered and everybody's just kind of homogenized across and everybody's just kind of like, yeah, we're just here, you know, it's great. Well, it's just very bland, you know, like really find a strong culture, identify that key component. In fact, you, know, you could call it the, the company's DNA and you should make sure that once you do, these people will, will be drawn to that and then others will be, be repelled. And I just want to encourage you that if you do have people that you feel like, man, there's not a good fit, pay attention to that, but also lean into that. Like, why is that? And is that a good thing? Are we drawing in the types of people that we want based on the culture that we're building here as an organization? All right, I'll leave you with a quote, Mr. Michael Jordan, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. Talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. That can only come, my friends, from having a very strong team culture, having a very purposely built organization. And that comes from understanding who each individual is 
and then putting them together strategically so that we're all leveraging and spending more time in our zones of genius as much as possible to lift the organization towards its goals, both today, tomorrow, and into the future. All right. Excellent, guys. Thanks so much for joining us here. Look forward to speaking with you again at another episode of the TWC Top Podcast. Have a good one. Look forward to seeing you then. Take care. We'll be right back.